please turn your Bibles to 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Thanks, Agnes. Keep your Bibles open there to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. It's great to be here. My name's James. Um, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're glad you are here. Um, and we'd love to get to know you after our service this morning. Now, next week we've got a guest preacher coming along to open up God's word for us. Now, I know some of you have been like super organised and super in front. And so you've pre-read. Um, and I know some of you have probably gone further than verse 12. Well, you're going to have to hold off that anticipation um, for a couple of weeks' time when we hit um, the rest of chapter But today we're just going to look at two verses um, as we come to God's word today. Let's pray um, as we open it up. Father, we we give you thanks for your word. Father, it's imperishable and we are perishable. Father, your word gives life. And so, Father, now may we, we humbly come before you and let you speak to us. Father, do a work in us so that those who slander us may glorify Jesus on his return. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Are we meant to fit in? Are we meant to fit in? I remember, I was about 12 years ago, I was in Sydney and I had to go to a work event in Sydney because obviously we'd won won something or got some award. And so I've turned up, I'm from the country, I was working for Hyundai and... I, I don't like wearing black tie, suits, jackets, all that kind of stuff. And so I got invited to this event on behalf of our company. And I'm there and I wore blue jeans and a white shirt with a belt. And as I turn up, guess what hits me? I'm the most underdressed in the room. Everyone else is in a suit and a tie or a black tie event. And so you can imagine me at six foot five. Not only did I stand out because I didn't wear the right clothes, but I also stood out because I was just tall. And so what do you do when you don't fit in? Well, you try and resolve the problem. So I go and find a seat because I had a white shirt on and I sat down hoping no one would notice that I was the only one wearing jeans. I stood out. And then there was a comedian who was hosting this awards event and I get called up and guess what? He works out. He works out that I'm wearing jeans. I'm from the country and he just took the mickey out of me as I walked at the front. And I really felt like I stood out in that moment. I would have done anything that I would have fitted in. Next time I'll make sure I wear you know, trousers and a suit and a tie. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever had that moment where you stand out? Maybe you've gone to a wedding and you're overdressed. You've dressed better than the bride or you've dressed better than the groom. And so between the, um, the wedding ceremony and the reception, you've got to do something quick so you're not the one who stands out. Maybe you've been like me, you've gone to an event where you didn't wear, you know, this is a black tie event, didn't you realise? And you would do anything to fit in. Are we meant to fit in? Or maybe this week you've had a chat with your parents. You've chatted with mum and dad and said, Mum, I really feel like I don't fit in. 
Or maybe you look back over your life and you look at moments in your life when you're 20 or 40 and you think in those moments, I stood out but I didn't fit in. And our advertising sort of does that. You know, our Facebook adverts, our billboards, our TV shows are all advertising in a way so that you and me feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable that you don't have enough. Uncomfortable so that you go, I don't fit in because I haven't got the latest 12 kilo washing machine and dryer. If you only had that, you would fit in. Or if only you had that phone. Or if only you bought this 70-inch LED TV screen that's got 1,000 LEDs behind, another 1,000 LEDs behind, another 1,000 LEDs, that's like 8K. And if you don't have that, you don't fit in. They make us feel uncomfortable. Are we meant to fit in? Are we meant to fit in? Well, God's, God's plan is that we are different. We don't fit in. He's actually rescued us from darkness into his kingdom of his beloved son. See, Peter, he's writing to these Christians in modern day Turkey who were the minority. They were Jews, they were Gentiles who come to faith in Jesus Christ and they were different. They felt, they knew what it felt like to be Christians who were pushed to the side. Now Christians in, that, um, in, the, in the 60 AD, around the you know, early 60s AD, they, Christians were seen as suspicious. They, people didn't really know what the Christian movement was. And so there's a bit of su- su- suspicion around Christians. Now, in the early 60s, the, the, the Christians weren't getting persecuted or martyred for their faith. You know, later on, though, Nero does. But Nero, he even has suspicions about the Christians. They're, they're, they're suspicious, minority. And I don't know about you, but as you think about the 21st century Australia, what are we? We're the minority. And people are suspicious about Christians. You mentioned the word Christian, they're suspicious. Someone asks me what my day job is and I say I'm a pastor. Well, it kills the conversation generally. Or people, they're okay with it, but they're suspicious about it. And so are we meant to fit in? Well, God has a different plan for us. And so if we're not meant to fit in, how are we to live in strange times? See, today's text of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 to 12 is about identity and mission. It's all about identity and mission. And if we're not meant to fit in, how are we to live as strangers in strange times? Well, we live as strangers. That's the first point. I've got three points. Live as strangers, live at war, and live beautifully. See, verse 11, have a look at verse 11. It's packed, filled with identity language. Dear friends, or some of your translations may say beloved. I think beloved's really helpful because beloved, it's, it's God's love. It's language of being chosen. It's, it's your beloved. It's, it's intimate. Dear friends, beloved. Peter's saying to his brothers and sisters, I urge you. And what's he going to urge them? Well, we'll see in a moment. But he's going to urge them because of who they are. Live as strangers. Dear friends, beloved. I urge you as foreigners and exiles. Now, what's a foreigner? Well, see, a foreigner is someone who's not at home, someone who's living in a different land. A foreigner is, this is not my country, this is not my location, or an exile, or, or sojourner, your translations might have. A sojourner is someone who is just passing through that country. Not only are you a foreigner, but you're someone who's passing through this is language of someone who's not at home but they're going through this country towards their destination
And why are we foreigners and strangers? Because of our allegiance to Christ. See, once you become a Christian, you're now not a citizen of this world. You're now a citizen of the city of God. You're now a citizen of the kingdom of God. My address in this world is not my home. Now, this language of sojourner, this language of exiles, it's actually not new language in the Bible. It's actually there in the first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 23, where Abraham is God's chosen man. Who's, there's going to be these people who are going to come out of him, this big line. And, and, and Abraham finds himself a stranger with nowhere to bury his wife. And he calls himself a foreigner and a sojourner. And then Hebrews 11 picks up on the same language and said, he, See, Abraham knew that. He knew this land wasn't home. It actually says that Abraham was looking forward to a new city, a city of God. And so we too are foreigners and strangers. We're passing through. This is not our final destination. In 2009, I got married. And we, you know, I had to pay for the honeymoon, so I went on honeymoon to the Cook Islands. Beautiful place to go. That was our final destination. But to get to the Cook Islands, guess what you've got to do? The, the, the planes in Australia can't fly all the way to Cook Islands. They've got, to, they've got to stop off at Auckland. And so as our destination was the Cook Islands, we flew into Auckland for a one-night stop. We were just passing through. And so we stayed at a hotel room for one night. Now, I find this interesting with hotel rooms. You have drawers, you have cupboards, and I think, but hang on, I'm just passing through. Like, I'm not going to get everything out and pack it in the drawers. And we're going through Auckland. We knew it was, was just passing through, so we didn't really take much in. We, we weren't too worried because our final destination was the Cook Islands. And we live in a country, we live in a city, we live in a suburb where people are doing all that they can to be at home. They're trying to make their forever home. Right now, we have the, the, the property market is booming. People are afraid that they're not going to be able to buy their forever, ever home. And, and right now, we're looking to buy a home, right? And I've got to keep telling myself, we're not buying our forever home. We're just buying a place to live in as we pass through this world. See, knowing the end of the story shapes your actions today because see as you feel the suspicion that you feel because you're a christian that others show towards you or or you feel like you're that little minority group or you feel like you, 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 you are pushed or you're feeling persecuted remember we live as strangers we're passing through because if if this is all there is well then you do have to make this your home See, if you don't believe in eternity, this is your final destination. If you don't believe in eternity, you have to do everything you can now to enjoy every waterfall. You need to have the best house. You need to ensure that you're always comfortable. If this is our only life, right? well, then suffering can't happen. See, we need to look to everything that's good if this is it. But see, Abraham knew. The Bible tells us that this is not our final home. We're just passing through. This is not our home. I, I remember preaching on a passage similar to this. It wasn't this passage a few years ago. And a middle-aged woman came to me after we preached. I preached on being a sojourner and this is not our home. And she came up to me after the service and she said that was freeing. Because she said, my whole life I've been trying to fit in. 
My whole life, I've sit here going, I do not feel like I'm at home. I feel like I do not fit in. I'm doing everything I can to fit in. But she said, I've just realised that I'm travelling through and that has set me free. I don't have to feel like I'm at home here. And in those moments, it helps us as we live as strangers. We know that we're strangers in that moment that we sit around the smoko table and there's degrading jokes and you feel awkward. That reminds you, you are a stranger. Or as you watch a movie with friends and you start to feel a bit uncomfortable with the story plot and where the line is going and how they view life, you're feeling like that because you're a stranger in this world. Live as strangers. But I think it's also helpful just for a moment for us who are parents, for us who are grandparents with kids, as we, dis, as, as we disciple our kids, we want our kids to love Jesus, to know Jesus and to serve Jesus. But it will be tempting to make life easy for them. When they come to us and say, oh, I don't fit in, mum, we will be tempted to try and make them fit in. Whereas actually we want to we disciple our kids to go, you know what, if you choose to follow Jesus, you won't fit in. See, it's easy as a grandparent or a, or, a, or a mother or a dad, as your child comes to you and says, hey, I really want this, mum and dad, I really want to do this. And you can feel the pain that they feel because they're missing out or they don't fit in. We are so tempted to try and take that pain away by making it possible for them to fit in. Whereas actually... One of the most beautiful things we can do is disciple them to see, you know what, if you follow Jesus, you're not going to fit in. But you're just passing through. Beloved, live as strangers. See, today your circumstance may be really dark. Maybe it's really complicated. Maybe you feel very far from God. But remember, God's not far from you at all. You're his beloved. You're his beloved foreigner. And as you face cancer or as you face the loss of a job or as you face whatever it is this week or maybe as you face a spouse who's walking out or as you may face, the, maybe you may fail an exam this week, God will never remove his love from you. You are a citizen of the city of God. And so are we meant to fit in? <laughs> if we're not meant to fit in, how are we to live in strange times? Well, we're to live as strangers, but now he's going to move from our identity as living as strangers to our mission. So not only do we live as strangers, but we're to live at war. Now, this is not physical war, but we are to live at war. There is a far greater problem. There is a far greater threat than rising house insurance. There's a far greater threat than physical affliction. And that is the war that's going on inside our soul. That's the war that's going on inside our soul. Have a look at verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain. To keep away, refrain from. What from? Sinful desires. It's of the flesh. Which wage war against your soul? It wages war. Do you realise that we're in a war? for our soul see sinful desires are it's, it's really the opposite of, well go read Galatians chapter 5 it's the opposite of the fruit of the spirit anger lust hatred discord sexual morality because see there's a war of control going on there's a war of control so either we're going to worship God or we're going to worship his creation 
See, war is about control. It's either Jesus rules or I rule. This week I, um, I, I turned on Netflix. There's, really, like, I, there's just so many shows on there you don't know what to watch. And you sit there for 20 minutes trying to find something you want to just watch for 20 minutes and you spend your 20 minutes just trying to find something to watch. But this week I found a show, I found this movie called Midway. It's a movie of World War II. See, in, in World War II, the Americans joined World War II when Pearl Harbor was bombed on the 7th of December 1941. It was bombed by the Japanese. See, Midway speaks of this story of that battle, but it, it speaks of the, the war after that. It speaks of the war of control for the Pacific. It speaks of what happened after Pearl Harbor. What was going on? War. The Japanese wanted to control the Pacific. And guess what the Americans wanted control of? The Pacific. And see, we have a war in our soul. Two things seeking to control. And, and it, it destroys our soul. See, J.C. Ryle said, being ruled by the desires of your body will murder your soul. See, our battle isn't the unbelieving world. The battle's actually within our own soul. And there's no amount of distancing you can go from culture and from the world that will leave those desires behind. We are at war. Don't kid yourself to think that now that you're a Christian, there's no war going on in your heart. We've been set free. We've been made righteous in God's eyes. We are right. We are his. We are chosen. Our, our identity is certain, but there's still a control going on. And we're at war where we have to say no. See, a mistake, a mistake that we make, a mistake I think that we can make as Christians is that the world, it's all the problem is out there. The war is out there. They're the ones who will corrupt us. And so we can distance ourselves. And I hear Christians saying how corrupt the world is, and it is a corrupt place. It's all in the third person. They are so terrible. They've done so many terrible things. Look how bad and corrupt this world is. And it's all in the third person and they never actually acknowledge what's going on in their own soul. Never realising it's actually inside of us as well. So instead, they're always fighting the war out there and never realising it's going on here. So busy looking at everyone else that they actually miss that our thoughts and our desires can actually be misdirected. When we actually need to be ready to be in battle, to watch and to reflect on what's going on in our hearts. And why do we do this? Well, chapter 1, verse 14. Have a look. As obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. This, it's, it's, we, we used to live like that. We've been set free. We're now foreigners and strangers. We're now God's chosen people. This is not something that makes us right with God, but this is who we are. Do not conform to the evil desires. It's our old self. It's our old self. Say no. You know, this. That, that, that moment, you're in the gym and you're there working out and you see a beautiful woman, but it moves on from being a beautiful woman to your mind starts to go elsewhere and you start to imagine things that you probably shouldn't start to imagine. Say no. 
or you know, you're in the shops, you're you know, in there shopping for clothes, and there's some beautiful dresses, some beautiful jackets, some beautiful shorts, and beautiful shoes. Now they're, they're good things, but in that moment, you feel inside going, I don't need it. But you think to yourself, Ooh, your body starts to tell you, you have this desire. If I don't get this today, I'm not going to be happy. I need this today. And so you get the credit card out and you buy it. You know, I, it, can be, it can be more than just the lust of the flesh. It can be food, can't it? Like I, um, this week, I, was, I think it was Wednesday night, it was about 6 o'clock, I said to Al, I'm going to go out for a run. So I went for a 9K run, came back, walked through the house. It smelled beautiful. There was Musselman Land. It's, Musselman, it's called Musselman Land? I think it's something like that. And she cooked this beautiful lamb, Musselman, and had rice. It smelled so good. Now, I had sushi for lunch. I was sort of okay. But, but I've been for a 9K run, so I thought it was okay. So I had a full plate of this lamb and this rice, and it was just like, oh, that is so good. And so then, what's my body telling me? My, like, my body's telling me, like, I'm ready to go. It's like, I've had enough, right? I know I'm six foot five, but I've had enough. But then my, my body's going, but I may miss out on that again. I'd had enough, but guess what I did? I went back and got another plate full. And I filled. And at the end of it, you're like, oh, I'm so full. But you know what? I think, oh, that was so good. It's, 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 food can be a problem, can't it? And then I was full and I had those connoisseur ice cream in the fridge. And I thought, well, I've gone for a 9K. It's... it's we, we struggle, don't we? There's things we've got to say. That, that, you know, not, not, not only can it be you know, sexual stuff, but it can actually be food. It can be so many things that we allow the desires of our flesh to rule our life. So whether it's food, sex, clothes, holidays, they're actually all good things but given by God. They are all good things until a good thing becomes a God thing, to when they rule our life. You, know, you may be a super organised person. That's really good. You should be super organised. But when the organisation becomes the thing that rules your life, that's not good. When you're, you, you, know, you, you pride yourself in being a great mum or a great dad, that is a good thing. But when that becomes the thing that rules every decision and rules your life, that's become a God thing. Or maybe, don't, don't just assume that everything you watch on Netflix or on Binge or on Amazon, don't just assume that all those things that you watch are actually good for your soul. Or maybe even, I, I, don't always assume that your parents are acting in the godly way all the time. We've got to be careful. Live at war, we're at a battle. Because see, there's two things we can do that are easier. We can either conform to the world or we can disengage from the world. That's actually easier. See, to conform to the world is just to do what they do. That's easier than having to be at war. But I can tell you there's another thing you can do as well. Disengaging from the, the world is easier. It's easier to disengage from the world than to confront your sinful desires. Because there's pride in all of us. Live at war. Say no. And maybe today you know that. You maybe you're wrestling with it and you think, what do I do? Tell someone who you're accountable to. Find someone who you trust, who you can say, you know what, I'm really struggling with porn, or I'm really struggling with food, or I'm really struggling with this. Tell someone today. Have someone keep you accountable. Or maybe wake up every morning and go, I'm at war today. Confront your sinful desires. Or as you go out this week, and as I've said in previous weeks, as you go into your workplace or as you go into school, how does the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ 
How's that good news going to shape the words that come out of my mouth now and the actions that I do? Live at war. So it's negative. But now it moves to a positive. So if we're not meant to, to fit in, how are we to live? Well, we live as strangers, we live at war. But here we are also to live beautifully. We are to live beautiful lives. Not only are we really passionate about proclaiming Jesus, but may our lives also be beautiful lives that commend the message that we preach. How we live in this world as we travel through it will commend the gospel or not. And why do we want to commend it? Because you and me are part of a bigger story now. We have been, take, we have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness where the rule is yourself, where your world is yourself. And what's God done? He's come and through Jesus Christ, he's grabbed you. And he's brought you into a bigger story of his plan of salvation. He's brought you into his kingdom. You're a part of something so far much bigger now. And God has placed you in this moment, in this time, and in this place. Because you're on mission for God. You're no longer of this world. You're just passing through. Have a look at verse 11 and 12. Because as you come to verse 11 and 12, guess what? When I did arithmetic at school... It comes after verse 9 and 10, 9, 10, 11, 12. And so verse 11 and 12 come after verse 9 to 10. So our doing good is intended for mission so that those people have the same experience that we've had in verse 9 to 10. Have a look at 9 to 10. We're chosen, we're, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, we're special. We praise Jesus, we praise God. You were once not a people, but now you're a people. Once you'd re- not receive mercy and now you receive mercy. And we get to verse 11. We get to verse 12 and it reads, live such good lives. Now, the good lives there, it's it's not the general word for good when we talk about morals. It's actually the idea of being attractive. It's attractive good. It's beautiful. There's something different. That's different choices, different decisions made. And it makes people want to stop and go, why? As people have suspicions about who Christians are, doing good will sort of show them, oh, why are they different? Uh, there's, there's sometimes, I've had this happen. Someone said, don't go and work there because they will corrupt you. Maybe someone said to you, don't go to uni because they will corrupt you. Maybe someone said, don't move to Sydney, right? They may corrupt you. Or worse, you'll become wicked. Maybe you've heard that. Because the idea is, if you go there, that's, they're going to... Well, it's actually very far from Peter's thoughts, that. I, I think Peter actually paints a very different picture to that. Have you noticed he paints a different picture? He says, live such good lives... Among, this is a word of among. It's, it's, to, it's, it's not that you're distanced and disengaged, but it's actually among the pagans. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We are not of the world, but we live in the world. Now, Christians through the centuries have sort of tried to, you know, monks, 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 you know, the Benedict option. You know, they've tried, Christians have tried to separate themselves from culture. But Peter, no, 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 we're to live among them. Because see, what's the problem? We can either 
conform or we disengage. And it's really unwise to think like this. It's really unwise to conform and it's really unwise to disengage. Why? Because we have to live beautifully among them. We have to live beautifully among them that we're on mission to proclaim Christ. See, those you rub your shoulders with tomorrow at the office, those who you rub your shoulders with at school this week, or those who you rub your shoulders with over the next month, they are people who need to hear about Jesus. May they see your good deeds and praise God. See, what's, what's, what's he getting at here in verse 12? Slander. Like, you know, that though they may accuse you or they may slander you, they look at your beautiful. See, what, what Peter's getting at, he's saying, they're going to accuse you because they're suspicious of you. They're going to accuse you of things. But it doesn't stick because they're going to see your good life. They're going to see your good life. And even though they're throwing it at you, over time it will reveal that it's not true. But have a look further. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, may they see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. See, Christians glorify God. What Peter is saying here is that if you live a beautifully life, if you live a beautiful life, if you live a beautiful life, even though you may get slandered, some may come and trust in the good news of Jesus Christ and glorify God when he returns. You see, he's saying that some will come to believe, that some will actually come and put their trust in Jesus because you have lived like that. So it's a passage of mission. It's, some of you here today are here who used to live in darkness and have been brought into the kingdom of God's Son. Some of you are here today because a friend who you thought, hmm, they're interesting, and after a while you got to know them and they were suspicious, but you've gone, you know what, I want to find out. And so guess what happened? You came along to a church service, the gospel was preached, and you've gone, I trust in Jesus. You've come along and you heard the good news of Jesus. You heard about Christ's life, death and resurrection. That the, He lived the life that you and me could not live. He lived the perfect life. He, he was crucified on a cross in our place. And the wrath of God was poured upon him when it should have been poured upon us. And now he died and he was raised again. And you've trusted in him and now you have life. That's the good news. You're right with God, not because you've done anything. You're right with God because of Jesus. And you're here today because someone lived a good life. A, a beautiful life. Or maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're here probably because someone invited you and you thought, oh, I'm interested to know why you're here. Well, why are you a Christian? As much as people may despise Christians or maybe as atheists despise that or people antagonise us, most do have to recognise the impact that Christianity has had on the world over the last 2,000 years. How it's grown and how it's gone bigger and bigger and the effect that it's had. See, for you and me, we live good lives, we're beautiful lives because we're a driving advert. Last Saturday, we were in the, in the car with the boys. I think it was down a Prospect Highway and we are just coming up the Greater Western Highway and we pulled up there, the three boys are in the back, Ali's next to me and guess what pulls up next to us? This truck. And it's got a TV screen on the side of it. It's got LEDs, LEDs. I haven't seen it yet. And the boys are like, wow, Dad, look at that. There's a TV there. 
See, it was a TV on the side of a truck that was doing what? Advertising. It was an advert, and then it would slide across, and there'd be another advert. We are adverts for God. Our lives, next time you're in your car and, and you get cut off at a roundabout, you're an advert for God. We're adverts, and we live such good lives that some may come and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and glorify him. See, we don't do our good deeds for ourselves. We do good for the glory of God and for the salvation of others. Live beautiful lives. I um, wasn't sure whether to share this, but I remember it was about 10, 10, 11 years ago, I'd come to Sydney. This is when I was living in parks. I'd come to Sydney for a work function and hanging out with other blokes. And we were, we were staying at Macquarie Park and we, you know, we had a meal. And, and one of the blokes I was good friends with at another dealership, he just said, hey, let's go into the city. And I thought, oh, okay, why not? Like, let's go in the city, caught the train in the city. But I must, I must have been ignorant for some reason, didn't pick up what he wanted to do. So we go in the city and he says, I've got this great place where we should go and hang out. And I thought, no worries, he's married, I'm married. We've got ki- I didn't have kids at that time, he had kids. And we just went into the city and he said, I've got this great place, let's go off the train, we've got to get there. And as I'm walking along, I'm thinking, I wonder where he's taking me. It didn't dawn on me as I started to get closer. He says, hey, let's go in here. And I thought, hang on, this is... It was a men's club. It was a strip joint. He said, let's go in here. I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do? And I just said, hey, no, I can't go in there. He said, oh, why? And why? And I just shared, I wouldn't, no, I can't go in there. And he's gone, oh, sorry, I should have asked before we come. And it was really interesting, though. He didn't go in. He said, well, okay, let's go to a restaurant. And so for the next two hours, we sat at a restaurant. We sat there till midnight at night, and he asked me, why I had faith in Jesus. For two hours we talked about it. Now I don't know where he's at. Live good deeds. Do live beautiful lives. So that they may glorify God. So they may glorify Jesus. As you're attacked or as you're slandered, live lives that, you know, even though you may get attacked as a CEO or a board member, as a Christian, and say, hey, you've stolen money or you've done this, or you've done that. May it be that you've lived such a good life that as it gets investigated, guess what happens? The investigations have to say, hey, there's been no dodgy business here at all. As we live among this world, may we commend the gospel in our actions. May we commend it in our actions. See, today, may you live good deeds. See, some of you, you know, it's... It's fostering kids. Why do you foster so many kids? And you can tell them. You know, as you're out this week as a work function at a restaurant and the rest of your work colleagues are really ticked off that the waitress is incompetent and they're really annoyed, they see you treat her with compassion and love and respect. Or as you go to your accountant and and they see, they go, hang on, why do you give so much money to compassion? You know, do you realise that you could have your mortgage paid off and you could have a better retirement fund? They can see why you do what you do. Are we meant to fit in? We're to live as strangers. We're foreigners. We're just passing through. We're to to live at war. We're to say no. But we're also to live beautiful lives, aren't we? To live beautiful lives so that some may glorify Jesus and come to him. Live as strangers. Live at war. Live beautifully. And really, when you think about that, there's only one person who's done that well. Who's done that perfectly? Jesus. 
who said, in Matthew chapter 8, he said, he was a perfect exile, who said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head at night. He knew what it was to pass through. But not only that, he lived at war. He perfectly conquered sin and death. But not only that, he lived such a humble and sacrificial life that there's going to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands in the throne room of God, praising him. May we live like that today. Amen. Father, we're just travelling through reminders of that today. Father, we're on mission. Father, we, we, we have this battle going on inside of us of the sinfulness of the flesh that just wants to do things under our control. May we say no. Um, Father, help us to know that it's real and not to be complacent about it. But at the same time, may we be a church of people here in Toongabi and the surrounding suburbs. May we live such beautiful lives among this world. We pray that many will see that and come and trust in the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.